This episode of the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast is sponsored by the Self-Care for Teachers Resource Room, an online hub for teachers to learn about health, happiness, well-being, and burnout prevention. Check out the library, a collection of free resources that you can use to be proactive about your self-care and well-being. Find out more at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash library. This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast, a weekly show to help you prioritize your health, happiness, and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds Keane. Enjoy the podcast. everyone and welcome back to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. This episode is the first teacher story of the season and uh, I'm really looking forward to sharing Vince's story with you. It's also just nice to get another bloke on the show that's two blokes this season. Woohoo! Because I mean teaching is predominantly uh, female dominated as have the guests of this podcast been. So Yeah, it's nice to just mix that up a little bit. And um, Vince has a really interesting story. I really enjoyed chatting with him. We've been, um, we'd connected before uh, deciding to do podcast swaps, as I'm going to be a guest on his as well. But it's just a really interesting and really, I find a very down to earth story. And um, yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. But before we get to that, I wanted to share the uh, review of the week. So this one comes from Diana Braybrook, who was a guest on season one, episode 14. I'll pop a link in the show notes if you haven't listened to that one yet. And Diana wrote that this is a great resource to help teachers with their well-being. She said, I highly recommend this podcast for not just teachers, but teachers in training. Well-being is paramount when it comes to teachers. Teachers are such givers and as such can burn out. This is the podcast for you to find ways to be proactive about your health and an industry that is very demanding. And I could not agree more. Thank you so much for those kind words, Diana. And if you would like to leave a review of the podcast, you can do so in your podcast app. And it really does help to uh, spread the message of teacher well-being and get the podcast found by more people. So together we can create thriving school communities. And another way you can support the podcast is to throw us a couple of bucks on Patreon because podcasts are free to listen to, but they are not free to make. So if you'd like to support the show, if you're enjoying it, I know, and I know quite a few of you are because I have been getting some beautiful private messages on Facebook uh, and Instagram from you. So thank you so much for reaching out. It really does make my day when I hear from you. And um, so thanks for that. And um, thank you for the reviews. Keep them coming. It's great to read. And uh, also thank you very much to my Patreon supporters. And as I said, every little bit helps to keep the podcast on the air and arriving in your podcatchers regularly. So you can head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash self-care for teachers to support the show. And I also have a book recommendation for you today, and it comes from a book that Vince mentions in this episode, uh, because if you uh, like podcasts, and I think it's a pretty safe bet that you will also be a fan of audiobooks, and the best place on the internet for audiobooks, in my opinion, is Audible. So today's podcast is also brought to you by Audible, where you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial if you go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash teacher wellbeing. And there's over 180,000 titles to choose from, but you might like to uh, look up 
The One Thing by Gary Keller because that is a book that Vince mentions in this episode and I think you'll find it really useful. So for the listeners of the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast, you can get that free audiobook download with your free 30-day trial to check out their service uh, or, of course, you can pick another book as well, something of your own choice if you don't want to listen to The One Thing by Gary Keller, even though it's very, very good. You just have to go to audibletrial.com forward slash teacher wellbeing. That's audibletrial.com forward slash teacher wellbeing for your free audiobook. All right, so let's get to the episode with Vince, this interview with Vince, who is a high school teacher from Victoria, and he has a really interesting story because he uh, also took some time out of teaching and then came back and is enjoying it a lot more, which I really want that message to get out there that if you're feeling for whatever reason things aren't working for you at the moment in the school that you're in or in the role that you're in, don't be afraid to take a break. It doesn't mean that your teaching career is over forever. This is about the third or fourth guest now who has shared that that's what they've done. They've taken a break, whether, you know, Rebecca in episode three of the first season uh, went away and did some travel and Shaylee also in episode uh, in season one uh, went back to uni for a while and Vince also went and did a working holiday. Uh, So just consider it. Don't think that just because you're thinking about other options right now that that therefore you're going to have to quit your teaching career forever. That's not necessarily the case. So I like to share that there are other options and Vince has a great story and and I really enjoy his uh, perspective on life and perspective on teaching, particularly about how when he learned to focus on being a person first and a teacher second, not only did it improve his life, it improved his teaching as well. And so I think there's a lesson in that for all of us. Without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the podcast, this teacher story. Thank you, Vince. Hello, Vince. Thanks for coming on the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. Thank you for having me, Ellen. I'm really excited about this. Um, Let's launch straight in. Can you tell me and the listeners a little bit about your background and your teaching context? Yeah, of course. So I started my teaching, it was in 2013 in a small little Victorian country town. So teaching high school there and then traveled a little bit and ended up moving into Big Bad City and I am teaching in the western suburbs of Melbourne. And I am at a, a a specialist year nine campus. Cool. And that's, um, I think you've told me before, that's Catholic. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So at a Catholic high school and um, working in the year nine program and, yeah, and loving it, loving it. Oh, that's great. Sometimes year nines can be a little bit of a challenge, but it's good to yeah, be enjoying it. That's, that's it. But so can I. So it's all good. <laughs> so maybe that's good. You kind of, you know where they're coming from. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. So seeing as this is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast, I'd love to hear about your experience of uh, teaching, particularly in your early years, um, first couple of years teaching and um, and how you found that and if there were any health and wellbeing challenges that you had during that time. Yeah, of course. I I started my teaching, I was actually a CRT for the first um, the first six months. So, I was so doing rel- relief work. teaching, supply yep. teaching, yep. Yep, supply and sub work. And I found that to be, well, a really great way to sort of get started because you're teaching every type of student you could think of and you're usually teaching them at their worst because you're a sub. Yeah. (laughs) You would get lessons where there's no lesson plan because the teacher hadn't planned anything for you and then you you have every type of situation going on. So my first six months was that and that helped a lot and then I got a job at a school and then... Within about 18 months, it was probably 12 months from starting, I was 
into a year level coordinator's position. Um, wow. And in hindsight, yeah, yeah, which was an amazing experience and an amazing leap of faith by the school. But in hindsight, it was probably a step too far. And yeah. I was chatting to a colleague at the time and he was kind of pulled me aside and he's like, don't take this the wrong way, but just because of the amount of time you've been doing it, um, you're still trying to learn, you know, you're still mastering your craft in the classroom, let alone all of the other stuff. And I I saw where he was coming from, but when you get that carrot dangled in front of you, it's it's a bit hard not to reach for it. So Yeah. Yeah, like I I started as a year level coordinator and teaching and especially when you go up and you're you're coordinating or you're doing something along with it, but teaching in general, it's one of the jobs where you're never actually finished. There's always something you can be doing. Um, you can't just sort of clock off. And that wore me down. And that combined with the coordinating and being still inexperienced, um, really, really, like, it drove me down a little bit because I was, you're sort of trying to be your best duck and you can see the head above water, but you can't see the feet kicking beneath it. And my feet were kicking a little bit too hard. And I don't think I was moving very fast. Yeah. And, and so what happened? Like, did you feel like your performance at work suffered? Or did you, did you feel like it impacted work? Or was it just like personal life and health that was impacted? All of the above. Um, health gets impacted because that's usually the first thing to go. If you're right, tired, yeah. you know, that early morning gym session might be the last thing you think about doing. It's the first thing to go. Yeah. And um, that's usually the first domino that fell for me. And then you start to not perform as well in the classroom because either you're, for example, I stopped working out as much as I would have liked to. And um, I'd actually lost a lot of weight when I started teaching. And that was some choices that I made because I was quite overweight at uni and whatnot. And um, so I'd lost that. And then once work started getting busy, you start, you know, eating out more and then you start, um, you don't want to cook and then you're a bit more stressed than usually and like you don't sleep yeah. as much and it sort of compounds. The healthy habits. Yeah, that's it. And you start to break those really quickly and it can take like, you know, 40 to 60 days to like set a habit, but it takes about 40 to 60 minutes to break one. <laughs> totally. That's so true. <laughs> it's kind, it did wear me down a bit and to get through it was um, a little bit tricky. It was something that, definitely impacted my job as well because I'm not, I'm not sleeping as well and I'm not as healthy or happy. And of course it wears you down, especially when you're dealing with people all the time. So my health and my job were definitely two things that were affected probably more than most. Yeah. And, and how did you, what did you do? Like, how did you overcome that? How did you sort of bounce back from that? It, um, it completely wore me down. I ended up actually taking a break from teaching for a little bit and doing my travel and whatnot. And, it wasn't like it was a thing where I hit breaking point and then pulled the plug. It was kind of a thing where um, I had to look at myself and where I was and the age I was at and kind of wanted to travel a little bit with it. But I found some ways through it in regards to just being okay with you're not going to get everything done. Mm. Yeah, that's a bit of a theme on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm sure it would be. It's just being it's being okay with it because... And I think a lot of it comes down to control as well, because we're, we're very controlling beings as teachers. We like sort of having control. And even if you're not a controlling person, um, your classroom is the, the one thing you can control. Yeah. Um, and letting go of that and, 
you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's handy to have your hands on the wheel and be steering, but I always liken a class more than like, it's not a car that's going to run off the rails, like run off the road if you take your hands off the wheel, but it's more like, have you seen that, you know, like, have you been to, you know, a, like a fate or a show or like an amusement park or something like that? You know how there's those rides that the little kids have on, they're like a little boat and like the kids steer and everything like that. And they can kind of direct which way the boat's going, but like with the current and with uh, like yeah. the directions, you always end up at the end. Yeah. Like see any way you like, but you're always going to end up at the finish line. And I think sometimes we've got to let go a little bit and be okay with that. And like you said, Alan, like so many people would be saying that on this podcast. Yeah. Well, I think because the to-do list is never finished. And so you ha- it, it, it gets to a point where you have to decide where, where you're going to stop today. Yeah, um, yeah. Because you could always keep going and you could literally just keep working until 2 a.m. and then go to sleep and get up at 5 a.m. and keep working. But it's just unsustainable. So it's like if, if once you come to accept that you'll never get all the things finished that you would in, a, you know, in your mind or in your perfect world or the to-do list is never done, then it's like, okay, well, where do I draw the line? Where, what's enough for me? What's good enough? It, you're, you're always going to get the most important stuff done. You're going to get to the end. Well, that's it. And I think a massive part of it comes down to the, like the whole basis of a to-do list in general. Um, <laughs> like I read a really great book, which was kind of a, a game changer for me. Um, and it was called, it's called The One Thing. Mm. And Gary Keller? Gary Keller, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the thing about a to-do list is if you've just got a list of things you need to do, you're giving every one of those lists, like every item on that list, the same amount of gravity, I guess. Whereas if I wrote down and everyone listening to this wrote down every little thing they did, the to-do list would be massive. But, you know, checking your emails in the morning is not the same priority as phoning a parent which yeah. is not the same priority as having a one-on-one chat with one of your students and being able to put things in priority really mm. made me think about what is important and what isn't important. Yeah. Cause that's where you spend your time. Right. And, and, and I guess it's about then you said like when things were starting to go off the rails a bit, like your exercise, your morning workout and the healthy habits were the fir- was the first thing to go. And then it's about going, well, no, that actually helps me be effective. So that stays on the list. What else do I drop? <laughs> yeah, 100%, 100%. So it sounds also like maybe the, the break from teaching and the chance to go traveling kind of just came at a good time to give you a bit of chance to, to maybe refresh but also reflect a bit. Yeah, 100%. And it was definitely not um, like it was... A, it was a working holiday and it was a couple of years and I was very, very busy during them. But just to have that bit of a break from teaching and especially so many teachers in their first years, um, if you were in the position I was, you graduate high school and then you go straight to university and then next thing you know, you're in the classroom again and your life up until you haven't left school. Like your life from the age of, you know, four at kindergarten until, you know, you take that first break is school all the way through and it's because it's all you know yeah and of course like you need those more you need those extra experiences when you haven't had them yet totally so what did you do where did you go oh completely random i worked on cruise ships in the caribbean for two years oh my god wow yeah that sounds really awesome i mean it was it was cool i know some people who've worked on cruise ships and i know it's really hard work but um 
amazing setting, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. And it was, um, it was, it was really cool. It was something I was like just sitting on it like a Sunday morning, eating breakfast. And, you know, as you do when you want to travel, you're looking at all of these like travel locations and whatnot. And then I was thinking of ways to potentially travel and, this job came up as like a someone had written a blog post about it or something, and I'd never been on a cruise and didn't really know it existed. Um, so I read it and I was like, "Oh, that seems pretty cool." And then I googled the like the job, and then the company I was looking for was hiring, and I went from like long story short, not even knowing the job existed, to having applied for it within the space of about fifteen minutes. Wow! <laughs> and it just yeah. obviously was the right time for you and the the right thing at the right time. Yeah, well, that's it. That's yeah. it. Cool. And so when you came home, you then, is that when you moved to the big city and got the, yes. the job at the larger school? Yeah. Yeah. So I work here at a much larger school now about, uh, probably about four, no more than that, maybe like six times the size. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a bit of a difference. And I literally milked my trip to the last minute and I got back like two days before the school year started. Oh my gosh. I'd already like I'd applied <laughs> and got my job when I was overseas and then got back like the Friday before Australia Day weekend and just <laughs> met the school and by Tuesday I was there. So. Yeah, launched straight in. And yeah, so what did it. you do differently in those, you know, in that new job and having had some time out, having had some experience of what life is like outside of the school system and then having some, I guess, reflections on maybe where you'd gone wrong with yeah. some of the, the health and well-being stuff and just the work effectiveness stuff in in the previous teaching role and the you coordinator role, what did you do differently when you went into that new job? Oh, so much. It was, it was great. It was a second chance at the first impression, basically. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah. And I was able to take those little bits and pieces and cause you know, when the cruise ship is great as well, because it's something where you're really, really busy all the time, but when you're not working, you're not working, you're just working a lot of hours, but I could combine that with the, you know, less hours on the clock and more hours at home position of teaching and sort of combine the two and being able to, the first thing I did was create some other, you know, hobbies or outside interests that can take time, take time away from working on my teaching and take time away from being in the office until 6.30 or Mm. 7.00. And occupy your mind too. That's it. And just solve new problems and, get something besides those four classroom walls out of my head. Mm, mm, I really like that. And we'll, I know we're going to get to it in a minute and talk about your other activities, yeah, yeah. but um, I think that's really powerful. And I just wanted to kind of pause and point that out because so many of us let school become everything. It's, you know, other than the, the like our basic family life and basic social life. So many of us don't do anything extra outside school because, because it is such an all consuming job. But then one of the, the biggest complaints that I hear or the, one of the things that teachers tell me they struggle with is that they really struggle to switch off from school at the end of the day. And I like what you said there about solving new problems, having your brain have something else to think about to mull yeah. over at the end of the day when you're, when you're falling asleep actually helps. Yeah, and it's not always just switching off. It could be yeah. switching onto something else. Is yeah, just, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I really, really like that because it's it's not something because we think, oh, I'm so pressed for time. I don't have time to do something else. And it doesn't have to take up huge amounts of time, but it's just something else that our brains can latch onto, I suppose, and, and yeah. to enjoy, hopefully, and to bring some some fun and, and happiness and, and joy into our life. And the th- Yeah, exactly. And the thing is when we are... Uh, 
I feel that when, well, when I was, you know, stressed and I would be tired and I'd crash on the couch, it's not like I'd watch a couple of episodes of something on TV and I'd be energized. I'm still tired. So those things that are taking time aren't really energizing you and you can be sort of saying, I don't have any time to do anything. And then your conversation can quickly change to, did you watch The Bachelor last night? <laughs> yeah. um, it's like, you know, that hour you or two hours you're watching TV didn't really energize you. It just kind of comatosed you on the couch while mm. you were complaining about not having time. Yeah, that is such a good point. And, and I mean, there's a place for that. But as you say, oh, there it's, is, it's there is, about but... being what's going to energize you. Because if that's what you're missing, what, what are you going to do to to yeah, that? Exactly. Yeah, Any Anything else that you did um, differently in that? new teaching role a lot of it was yeah just being able to prioritize and Mm. that's definitely come up this year as well because I've had a bit of a change of position at this school and moving to another campus and taking on another um, coordinator's role there Mm. and being able to take that on with my experiences has been it's it's night and day compared to what it was last time oh that's really good to hear because so often I think we, we try something like that once and for whatever reason it's not a great experience um and so we think well that's it I just I mustn't be cut out for that forever yeah and and imagine if your students had that yeah and uh and so you've done it you've done a few things that I think are really um useful to kind of reflect on one is that you obviously have spent some time uh reflecting on what worked and what didn't work which can sometimes be a really tough thing you know particularly for our egos particularly when in our early career but at any stage in, in our career it's it's not fun to feel like we haven't done a great job at something and um but you've obviously really had a look at that and and looked at yeah what didn't work when you were your coordinator in that previous role and being able to then do something about those things but then you also had a, had some time out which I think is really powerful because so many of us get um, so worried because there's so much um, rhetoric around teachers leaving the profession. So many people are afraid to take a break and they feel like if they're going to take six months off, that's it. That's the end of their teaching career. And that, you know, but it's not always. And you're about the third or fourth person on, on the podcast now who's shared how valuable that was for you, particularly travel. It's quite powerful sometimes. It's not necessarily that the the need for a break signals the end of our teaching career forever. No, and it, it shouldn't. It's, yeah. And it's something that it's an attitude to get over is we shouldn't be disappointed that we're not great at something when we first try it. Totally. Um, to take it back into the classroom. Mm. Um, if I'm teaching somebody in you know, my English class and they're not understanding something straight away, I'm not going to be like, oh, well, that sucks. You should never try this again. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> mindset, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, totally. Oh, that's awesome. Anything else you wanted to share there on the subject of, you know, so prioritizing and um, and finding hobbies and things to do to, you know, give your brain something to be, to energize you and to help your brain solve new problems outside of work. Anything else that you wanted to touch on there before we move on to, to what you are doing on this on the side? Yeah, well, I think they're my main points. And like we mentioned as well, um, just focusing on that, you know, healthy exercise or healthy eating and exercise and whatnot as well, because, if, like you said, it's you need something that's giving you energy and if mm. your body is kind of like the vessel for your brain, you want it to be as healthy as possible. Absolutely. Yeah, it's the, they're the keystone habits because if they're not right, everything else isn't, it's going to be a real struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I give you like a little thing I say to myself? Go for it. I thought of like groan when I say it to myself now in the mornings before I wake up and I go to the gym every day before work um, because I'll 
don't really have the time to do it afterwards. Yeah. And um, my alarm will go off and I'll like groan and it'll be cold. And then I was like, no, I won't go today. And then I sort of tell myself, oh, so you're, what you're saying is you're only a man of your word when you can't do something. Mm. And, I, and then I just, I feel like I feel bad about myself and I'm like, oh, fine. <laughs> I'll trip myself into going. So that's going to probably guilt trip a lot of your listeners, but um, a problem shared is a problem halved. Oh, and it's powerful. And I, but I totally feel that the, but it's warm at the gym. I always tell myself. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. Until I get yeah. to the gym. I like that. That's good. I'm going to start using that too. <laughs> yeah. My, my gym has, um, it's got like a digital clock that has, you know, the time, but it also like rotates through in the temperature. And there's also one on the, like on somewhere in the street on the way driving up to the gym. So yeah, I'll see the one outside. I'm like, oh my God, it's so freezing. And then I walk in, I'm like, oh, it's 14 degrees in here. It's so lovely. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's good. That's that's what I tell myself. I'm like, it's only cold until I get to the gym. <laughs> it's a little it's a little bit uh, less profound than yours. <laughs> yeah, no, I like yours though. <laughs> whatever works, right? <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever gets you there. Yeah, cool. Well, let's talk about what some of the things that you have done as hobbies, uh, you know, on the side of teaching, outside of teaching, to kind of have a life outside of teaching. Yeah. But also that, you know, I know they have really, um, some of those hobbies and activities have really improved your experience in the classroom as well. So let's talk about that. Yeah, 100%. Um, I'll, the, like before the ones you're alluding to, I try and, you know, play a lot of sports and all that yeah. sort of stuff as well. Um, but something I really started focusing on was I was – looking at right, like starting my own business and just doing something on the side that I had no idea about yeah. um, and solving new problems. And I'm, I love to just sort of get in there and learn things and um, try things out and just go on a whim and give something a go. So I started a, a business. Mm-hmm. Um, I started with a bow tie label, which was a weird first choice. It, it um, is, but it's cool. It is. My, my theory leading into it was if in 12 months, all I can say was, remember that time I started a bow tie label? That was a dumb idea. Um, <laughs> that's a funny enough story that I can live with that. Yeah. Um, bow ties are cool right now. Well, that's it. That's it. So I, that was my little first foray into business. And then what I was noticing was solving all of these problems um, and solving these different problems and getting a mind focused on different things was bringing me new skills into the classroom that were more related to the workforce that we're sending our students out to. Mm. And then I started sort of reading a bit more into it and I was like, there's got to be something to this. And you're looking into it and there's, you know, 50% of the jobs now are are freelance and no one is having a boss to tell them what to do. And yet we're in a classroom and a lot of the time students – achieve by following instructions yeah teaching and linking it with innovation and entrepreneurship has been something that has like it it really it's gone at a complete tangent from the bow ties but it's been something that's um energized me as well and bringing that into the classroom has given me that extra boost um and that's been a side effect is the word that keeps coming to my mind yeah. but it's definitely not a side effect um it was like a positive side effect. Yeah, it's like a positive side effect um, of starting the business. And now when we're doing things, for example, I was teaching English last year and 
you know, we're talking about persuasive language. And mm. instead of showing students the same part of a textbook, we're getting out there and I can show them, you know, emails that people that have tried to work with me have emailed me and mm. um, all of those type of things that we can pick them apart and where they're going wrong and where they're going right. And um, I know these are things that you're really, really getting involved with as well and giving students those or giving young adults those soft skills to yeah. progress in the workforce. Yeah, and I and I think it's um, particularly with high school, it's a, it's very, very important to make the work that you're doing as far as possible, it's not always possible, but to kind of bring real world examples in. So I think it's really powerful. And I also, I know that experience of, I mean, I spent most of, most of my first 30 years of my life in school and um, God, there's a whole world out there, right? (laughs) And you just, you learn stuff. And I'm sure you're probably the same learning in and of itself really energizes me. That's why I'm a teacher, right? Uh, But learning new things that have nothing to do with whatever the day-to-day work you're required to do in the classroom, you know, this year is totally separate. It, It actually comes back in and it's, it's really easy to go, well, that, that's that's a tangent over there and it's got nothing to do with my job and my job's so busy and important I, I can't spend any time away from it. But it actually improves everything, like, overall. Yeah, 100%. For example, we were doing an activity earlier this year and one of my students was organising, like, a clean-up at the local river and she was messaging the council and she sort of put her hand up and she goes, Sir... I haven't really emailed anybody besides like my teachers and my friends. How do I send like an email to somebody? Mm. And these are skills that, you know, you're not going to find in a textbook. So instead of being able to do some persuasive language essay or, you know, persuasive language um, question and answer sheet or anything like that, I was able to get up a email that I was uh, literally, cause I was working on the bow ties more and more back then. And it was, an email that I was sending with like a conversation with one of the major magazines in this country and we were able to get that up and giving it that real world feel and that real world experience makes you care because you're not going to get that main thing in high school of when are we going to use this? I could be like, look guys, we're using this every single day. Yeah, exactly. And it's also, it's sometimes, it sometimes is a tangent from the actual, you know, like the assignment isn't to write an email. The assignment is some kind of, much more stuffy and criteria-laden persuasive text. But it's like, yeah, I know, guys, I know kids that this uh, assignment is a little bit more rigid, but this is the way you would use these same skills over here. Yeah. It's the same, it's the same skills, it's just a different context. You know, this one's a report and this one's an email, whatever. But also I think I think it's really important that that we remember that we are people first and teachers second and so are the kids and they actually, you know, the students, so my experience in high school anyway, they respond when they when you can get to know them on a level that isn't about the schoolwork uh, and it's we all know that the relationships with our students and with our colleagues, it, that's what makes or breaks the, the classroom experience. That's what makes or breaks the school experience is the relationships. Um, it all It all comes down to that and having something to talk about with the kids other than, you know, whatever the assignment is, is so powerful. And whether it's, you know, whether a a person's hobby is sport or uh, I remember once I, once, one time I played the video game Skyrim, (laughs) happened to mention it because I knew there were some boys in my class that really 
played a lot of video games. And so the next Monday, we, you know, at the time, my now husband, but he wasn't then, his housemate had the game and so they were playing. So I had to go. Anyway, I mentioned it to these boys and it spread through the school like wildfire. I oh, told two yeah. boys in grade nine that I had to go at this this game. And then it, at lunchtime, you know, like an hour later, there were kids from all other year levels coming up. Did you play Skyrim, miss? Yeah, one time. I'm never not going to do it again. But it was some, some a connection. It had nothing to do with, you know, the day-to-day. And it, and it humanises us, you know, because yeah. we are people first and teachers second. And we we go about, and you're, you're completely right when you say the relationships are what will make you and mm. what makes this class experience. And mm. relationships go both ways. You have to let them in yeah. as well. It can't just be you finding out about them where you're not giving much up. and you, you've got to be okay with that. You've got to be okay with them letting in a little bit. And it doesn't yeah. have to be talking about anything, you know, personal in your home life. Yeah, exactly. You've got to let them in a little bit. And like you said, it could be something small, like I played this game once yeah. and, or you know what I mean? It can be, it could be something, it could be something small and it could be, it could be a tangent in a classroom. You could be over here, someone talking about anything. And if you, rather than sort of, jumping on them and telling them to be quiet you could have that two or three minute conversation off on the fly and that's gonna get you so much more in the future than sort of shushing someone instantly yeah and of course there's a time and place but it really it really is an investment those relationships are an investment for for the, for the long term of, of your classroom management if yeah. nothing else um but also those are the things that um i found uh and i know other teachers have said the same thing it's what makes the job rewarding. Uh, and also, those are the things I remember about my teachers from, from school. Uh, you know, when I was a student myself, it's, it's those times in the classroom that really stand out. Yes, they taught me the subject that we were learning, but it's those moments of real connection that, that I still remember today and probably will still remember in 50 years' time. And that's what, and that's what people who are any age will say, the, the teachers they remember, that's what they remember about them. Yeah, that's exactly right. We had a school reunion last year and when we were, you know, sitting around chatting about old times and whatnot, you're not really saying, gee, do you remember that way our math teacher taught us Pythagoras? Yeah. That was something. Yeah. Like, it's it's not like that. You you think about the conversations you have with them and ways you might talk with them outside of the classroom, for example, if they're doing a sport, like if they're a sports coach or yeah, you know, encounters in the yard on yard duty or, you know, something like that. Yeah, exactly. And and I think it's the, just that recognition that we're all people first before we are our role as a student or a teacher or a parent or a you know colleague and coming back to that. Yeah. And I think to tie everything up to what we we're talking about before as well, it can be, you've got to think of yourself as a person first and a teacher second. And when we're talking about prioritizing things like we were before, and you've got to think, oh, you know, I am a person first and I am a teacher second. And I'll be, I was a person before I was a teacher and I'll be a person after I'm a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. And if I stop being a person, then I can't teach. A hundred percent. Yes. A hundred. I love that. Well, that leads quite nicely onto your top tips for early career teachers to set themselves up for a really thriving career and life. Yeah. My, my top tip would be to work in, to work in priority make sure you can have the clarity to know what's important and what needs to be done first. And to put that into like a practical tip, 
my one tip is don't make opening your emails the first thing you do in the morning mm. because you are instantly setting your timetable to somebody else. Yep, 100% agree. You get an out-of-office reply like mine that says, I'll get to you, but don't expect an immediate response. Yeah. Because <laughs> it is. It, it's so powerful to, to start your day with something other than email. Exactly. Yeah. You should know what you're doing before you get to school. And if you're opening your email as the first thing you do, you're already putting distractions in the way. Mm. That's a really great tip. I don't think we've had that one before. So brilliant. Thank you, Vince. And, um, <laughs> just to wrap up, where can people connect with you if they wanted to uh, follow you online? Yeah, yeah. So you can find me on LinkedIn at mm-hmm. just Vince Massara. And mm-hmm. you can also find my website where I talk about sort of entrepreneurship in schools and starting a business as a teacher as well. And that's just at vincemassara.com. Cool. I'll put all those links in the show notes. Thank you so much. It's been great. No, it's been awesome. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. I'd love it also if you would leave a rating and review in iTunes and share it with your friends. This really helps the podcast reach more people and together we can spread the message of teacher wellbeing to create thriving school communities. Show notes for this episode can be found at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. You can also find me at facebook.com forward slash selfcareforteachers and on Instagram my handle is at selfcareforteachers. So come along and follow me there. 